so thankful. I was just really overwhelmed this morning being thankful for our worship team. As I was standing there, I want to tell you guys, the Lord began to speak to me through your journey this morning. We went on a journey in worship this morning. And what the Lord was sharing with me was sometimes we hit a moment in life where we feel like I'm not, I'm not on rhythm. I don't know what to do. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm lost. I don't know the next step. And our worship team demonstrated to us this morning the strength and the glory of God when we just be still, we don't stop. And I feel like that's a word this morning. We don't stop. They didn't throw down their toys and say, forget it, we're done. (laughs) We would have all been robbed, right? We would have all been robbed. They pressed. They waited. We followed the rhythm. We found the rhythm again. We found the words again. We found our praise again. We found our worship again. And that is a picture of what we're supposed to do in life. When we feel like, I feel like I've lost the rhythm. I feel like I don't have the words. I'm not really sure what's next. Take a moment, but don't quit. Take a moment but never quit. Never give up. Never throw your toys down. Never just walk off and say, I'm done. You find the rhythm again. And the only way that you can do that is by listening. Did you see them? Man, I'm telling you, God was speaking to me through them this morning. I mean, your worship was amazing. (laughs) But he was speaking to me. Did you see? Did you see him? They were listening. And that's what we're to do in those moments when we're like, I feel like I, I feel like I lost the rhythm. Listen. What does Rhett say? Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. <laughs> Listen, Linda. And hear the rhythm of the Holy Spirit again. And man, did we take off this morning? Isn't God so good? Isn't he so good? Thank you, worship team, for showing us how to do it. Yes. So if you would turn around and tell somebody, don't quit and don't throw your sucker in the dirt. This is the first Sunday of the month, and every first Sunday, we love to pray over our finances, and this morning, man, Ashley has stepped up at the last minute. It was kind of a little bit of a change of plans this morning out of necessity, and I want to ask you guys, can you please give Cowboy Church thank you to Ashley Martinez. She and her husband are the heads of our hospitality ministry. They are amazing. And I just want to say, Ashley's a pretty phenomenal cook too. So if you would come on up and bless us this morning. Okay. Thank you so much, Lynette and worship team. That truly, truly was amazing. Um, I'm always amazed at how God lines everything up. And I'm a crier. If you've ever seen me up here, I cry. So I'm sorry. I just do it. Um, But I had the same thought, and 
I have to keep this five minutes, so I'm going to have to hurry and talk fast. So get, get your pants on. Here we go. Um, but I had the same thought because at first we're singing, I am yours over and over. And we're standing here. We're believing that we are his and that we are operating in the space that he wants us to operate in and that we are his, which means we are his children and we follow him. And then we're standing there and we're singing about the goodness of God. And we have to believe that God is always good for us. Mm. And that everything that happens in our life is there for good. So as we're driving home from the prayer night last week for Pastor Darren, my husband and I, because I got up here and said something and was bawling, and it's just what I do. And I'm like, I don't even know why I cry. Because we know he's going to be good. We know this is victory. We know this is good. Why are we crying? But we all crying. And Katie Ford said something and she said, I know you're going to be fine. You're there because you're in the place that you need to be that nobody else can be. And God has something for you there. And that stuck with me. And you know, when God keeps speaking things in your life, in multiple messages, it just, you know, it's for you. So I was listening to a podcast this week And they said, you have to believe you're right where you're meant to be. And it's just stuck with me because sometimes you walk through seasons where you're like, I have no idea where we're going, God. And I believe in your goodness and I know you're here, but I don't know where you're going. And this has, this has truly stuck with me because an area of your life that is huge and in all of our lives is finances. And that is where... It guides all our decisions, right? Do we put our kids on a sports team? Do we retire? Do we have both parents working? Do we have one staying home? Can we vacation? How much tithe money can we give to our church? So your finances guide all of these things, and at the root of them is your heart. And and I think sometimes we get frustrated with God, and we say, why, why am I not further ahead? Why don't I have this house? Why don't I have more money to give? It's not always even poor intentions. But you have to believe that you're right where you need to be, whether that's to learn a lesson that God has for you or to bless someone else. I feel like when you start looking for those moments, God will show you that he is always right there and he will use the Holy Spirit in your life to direct you. The other morning I was making muffins with my daughter and we homeschool, so I feel like I have to do all these things and make sure they have all these bases covered and like set them up for success. So I'm like, all right, she, you know, needs to learn how to make muffins for life one day. So she's sitting there really stressing me out because she's four years old, dumping the muffin mix and it's complete mess. So I go fold laundry for a minute. So my anxiety level doesn't take away from the lesson she needs to learn. And I feel the Holy Spirit. I had some other muffins in the oven and I hear Holy Spirit being like, Go check your muffins. I just have this intuition about when baked goods are done. And I was like, no, they need one more minute. Like, I just know. And it was like, go into the kitchen. And so I round the corner from my living room, and my daughter is about to head into the bathroom, and she kind of looks at me out of the corner of her eye. And I was like, hey, babe. And she is covered in muffin mix. (laughs) Not what she was supposed to do. And I had said, you can lick the spoon, but not until mommy comes in there and checks. And so she just looks down, and if you know my daughter, she is full of self-confidence, and she is an amazing little girl, but she's a hard nut to crack when she gets in trouble. 
And she just lost it. I didn't have to say anything to her. And she just lost it and she broke. And it was a beautiful moment of, I'm not mad. I love you, but I don't want you to end up in a bad position sick. And doesn't God do that with us where he stops us and he gets in our head and he's talking to us and he says, I don't want you to end up somewhere you're not supposed to be. Mm. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that it's kind of like a GPS system. If it's saying, turn left, turn left. And we're like, nah, that road always has traffic. I'm going straight. It always redirects us. And he always gets us back to the place we're supposed to be. And I, I just, that image has stuck with me. I heard somebody give that example. And I'm like, man, it gives me so much peace. Because if I make a mistake with my money, or if I yell at my kid, or if I do something outside of what Holy Spirit and the goodness of God has for me, Holy Spirit's going to get me back on track. So I just want you to believe today that you are right where you need to be, but that God sometimes needs your obedience with the little voice in your head or the feeling in your gut or the Holy Spirit, all of those are Holy Spirit, be obedient to him. So if he's telling you to tie the certain amount, do it. Or if he's telling you to take your child to a park, there is another mama there who needs a message that you have. And maybe you're driving down the road and you're at a gas station, something that feels so, so little and not important, but your obedience and you're knowing that you are always in the right place at the right time is going to be such a blessing to someone else. And as you are obedient, I have noticed God increases. He increases your responsibility and he increases your finances and your ability to give. And so it, be faithful in those little things this morning so that God will give you increase and you can be a bigger and bigger blessing. Amen. So Amen. let me pray over your finances this morning. Father God, I just thank you for this church, and I thank you for this beautiful place of worship and teachers that we are all so blessed to have. I praise you for Pastor Darren and Lynette and for just a peaceful surgery for him, Father, and we pray for continued recovery. Lord, I pray for each and every person sitting in here that they would have confidence in their position in life, that they would just hold fast to that they were in the exact place that you want them right now. And that tomorrow at 3 p.m. they're in the right place. And God, that they are always in the right place ordained by you. I pray for opportunities for obedience. I pray for free hands with our finances, Father, to give when you have called us that. And free hands to not be of a poverty mindset and to receive when you have that for us, Father. I pray over each and every one of these people who are tithers. And I pray that you would increase their financial position by so much, Lord. And I thank you so much just for this time this morning. And we just ask you to bless the message we're about to hear. Amen. 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 Do you guys love her? <laughs> she and Tommy lead our hospitality ministry. And if you are not involved in a ministry team somewhere, man, there's so much to glean from them. And they run a amazing team. And so I encourage you, if you're interested in being part of our hospitality ministry, visit with Ashley and Tommy because they're awesome. So amen. yes, amen. The people that are on their team know, right? <laughs> so at our house, we have what we call family meetings where we all come around the table. And if there's something that we need to discuss, we sit down at the table and we talk about it. And so this morning, I want to have just a little bit of a family meeting before we get started. Um, 
First of all, uh, CW and Kirsty. Kirsty, that is uh, our praise and worship leader, and her husband, CW, that often plays the drums. Last Sunday, uh, while we were gathered here at church, uh, Sunday afternoon, Kirsty gave birth to their uh, baby son, and um, he is with Jesus. And Jesus is taking excellent care of him. And he will never know, <laughs> he will never know fear. He will never know pain. He will never know lack. And he is not lost. They know exactly where he is. And so with that being said, we wanted to share that with you so that you all can be praying. Um, we have asked for her to take a maternity leave. She had a baby and she needs time and she wanted i mean she was like i want to hear with her words i want to show people that when you are hurting the most that worship is what brings healing and i said honey you can do that at home you can do that on the front row you can do that together as a family and so um know that her heart and cw's heart is so to be here as as part of the family they are with their family right now they're together as they should be and um uh one thing that i would ask is that i know them having gone through this before something that kirsty has mentioned is that it's very hard when people look at her and walk away or they look at her and make a wide circle around them like she's got the plague and quite honestly it's because it's it's a very delicate situation and a lot of times we don't know what to say and when we don't know what to say we avoid or we back away when actually in those moments what can be the most healing for the person and what can be the most enlightening for us is if we press into that discomfort our world and our culture does so much to avoid pain and discomfort that what we do is we avoid it and um, just just having really good conversation and heart to heart with her what she really needs is and what CW needs is for us to say hey how are you doing and if you don't know the words to say just say you know what I don't have the words but I just want you to know that I love you and I'm praying for you and your family that means everything and so when you do see them love on them love on the kids man their kids are so resilient and so strong that's what I told them I said actually your children are more resilient than you are they are so strong and um, so just be lifting them in prayer keeping them covered for peace and for comfort and I will I will share this with you at this point in time there is no medical explanation we don't know why but here's what we've learned is even if we know the why it doesn't change the situation and it doesn't make the pain any less and so the the mourning is real and the mystery is very real right now and what is the best thing for that love love and so let's just be loving on them very very um, intentionally and so your thoughts and your prayers mean everything to them and again and you know what I told her as I said you know what I don't know the right words I don't know the right thing to say and sometimes that's the best thing is just to say I don't know what to say we have a beautiful couple here in the church uh, Brett and Shelby Markham they have walked that same journey and I have learned so much from Brett and Shelby 
in this area and they love to help people that are walking through that similar situation and really and truly if you want to learn man Brett and Shelby are so good at just helping helping to give some really good insight into that man they're good at that and they have a beautiful ministry to people who are walking through those types of things and so anyway um that piece of uh, information this morning and also I wanted to give you guys an update on Darren as we sit at our family table this morning uh, Darren made it through surgery very very well and as a matter of fact his uh, movement doctor came out and his words were he actually responded a lot better than we had anticipated and so what yeah praise God so what they did is they go in and they put wires on both sides of his brain and uh, Wade sent him a picture of uh, the Martian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, what, right now the electrodes are in his brain and literally the wires, so there's two wires that run and they're coiled up underneath the skin on one side of his head. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a white bandage that goes across the top of his head and he's supposed to be able to take that off today. I don't know what it looks like under there. So we'll find out when we take them off. But then he goes in on Thursday and they will take those wires and they will run them down the back of his head under the skin and down his neck and to his bionic man battery pack that he's going to have put in right here on his chest. It's called a generator. Is it? I kept calling it a battery pack and the, <laughs> the surgeon will look and he says the generator. He's not a man with a lot of humor, the neurosurgeon, <laughs> but he has very steady hands. That's more important to me. So, <laughs> so we praise God for Dr. Hebb, our experience at St. Joseph's hospital. I just want to say thank you to everybody that was there at the hospital. Man, it was amazing. And I especially want to say thank you to all of you for praying and for people who have extended a hand to help out where we just needed a little bit of help. And um, the thing that really spoke to me Sunday night when we got together to pray is that I was watching people come up and pray and each person that would come up and pray I know a little bit of their story or some of them I know a lot of their story it's the blessing of being a pastor you get to walk things out with people and you get to know their stories and you know what their life consists of and what they've been through and as people were coming up and they were praying for Darren and laying hands on him and speaking life over him, I was in awe of the people that we get to do this with because I know their stories and I know their journeys. And here's what I want to say to you is just when you look around this church at people, everybody comes in here and we all look you know, our Sunday best and <laughs> we all look like we have all of our ducks in a row and everything is good. But you know, there are people that you're sitting next to or people that are sitting behind you that have been through it and they're here to tell their story. They didn't quit and they are 
people that are so strong and I really am awe and I am so thankful that I get to draw on your strength in times when I just need someone to walk next to me with strength. So thank you for being our family. Thank you for praying for Darren. Continue to pray his surgery on Thursday. We'll be a little more uncomfortable, I am, am told. Um, but again, I'm in awe of God that you can literally have things pushed into your brain and take Tylenol. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> God is awesome. Okay, so we thank God for that. And with that, are you guys ready to jump into today? Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. And... I want to say a special welcome to our family at Kingdom Ranch Ministries. And here's what I really want to do. If, Lindsay, if we could get ready to pan back, I want to ask all of you guys to stand up and turn around to the camera and wave at everybody watching at uh, Kingdom Ranch Ministries in Merced, California. So you guys stand up and everybody turn around and face the camera and say, hey, Merced. <laughs> Yay! Good job. You guys, they absolutely love being part of our N3C family. We love being part of their Kingdom Ranch family. So thank you for indulging me in that. (laughs) Yeah. So this morning, I want to share with you, um, I just want to share, this is thoughts from Lynette Land. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) <laughs> so these are just, this is just something that I've been thinking about and, and uh, pondering on for a while, and I'll continue to ponder on it because the more we just sit with God, one thing that God talked to me about when we were all sent to time out during COVID was God told me, he said, I want you to learn to linger. And in learning to linger, I'm learning to just sit with God and be still. And when I'm still is when I'm listening to him. I'm not talking. I'm not telling him what I need. I'm not doing this or doing that. I'm just sitting and listening to him. And one of the things that he's really, really been speaking to me about started in 2019 was when I shared with you guys that the Lord had shared with me that coming into 2020 was starting a new decade. And it was starting a new decade on the Hebrew calendar as well, the year 5280. And what God had shared with me was that it was a decade of declaration. I was asking him, you know, what's coming up in 2020? And um, just a little FYI, he didn't say nothing about COVID to me. So I know it wasn't a surprise to him, but what God (laughs) shared with me was a decade of declaration. And he's really been speaking to me about the importance and the power of our words. And it's something that just continues to be a conversation between he and I. And the thing that I think of so often is if we were truly aware of the power of our words, our world would be different because we create word, we create worlds with our words. Our words are so powerful. The scripture says to us that there is death and life in the power of our tongue. So the things that we speak and the story that always comes to my mind uh, as of the last several years is we were driving down um, highway 80, 85 and a guy that was probably I think he was 21 actually when (laughs) anyway um, he flew past us 
And we were driving, if you know Darren, we were driving a little over the speed limit. I'll just say that. And this guy flew past us. And what kind of car? A Challenger. And it didn't even have plates on it yet. It still had the paper tags on it. And when he flew past us, I said, that is too much car for that boy. We came around the curve and there was all this dust in the air. And I was thought maybe there was a tractor out in the field plowing. It was that challenger out in the field had gone through a barbed wire fence and had rolled. And when we came around the corner, he was climbing out of the side of that car. And Darren looked at me and he said, you just said that. And I was like, oh, I did. And it made me so aware of the power that, and I'm not saying that I crashed that guy's car, but I could have said, Ooh, angels protect him for he knoweth not what he do. You know, (laughs) I could have said that. And you know, anyway, the power of our words. So this is something I wanted to share with you guys this morning. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter one and in the new King James translation, Genesis 1.1 starts out and it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I want to stop right there. And it says that darkness covered the, the face and that word darkness, if we think about darkness, darkness isn't simply just a lack of light. In the Bible, darkness often is symbolic of evil and an entity. So when we think about what's going on here, what's actually that word darkness in the Hebrew means misery, destruction, death, ignorance, and sorrow, and wickedness. It means obscurity. So it tells us that darkness was on the face of the deep, but then it tells us that the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And that word hovering isn't just simply an existence over the top of something, but actually what God is telling us is that his spirit was moving gently. It was cherishing and it had deep, tender love as it hovered. That's what that word hover means. And it's actually a picture of a bridegroom hovering over his bride, the way that a bridegroom would tenderly care and cherish and protect her. So the spirit of God was tenderly loving and cherishing the earth before it was even put into form and had order to it. The scripture goes on in verse three, and it says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. Something that I like to do when I'm studying the word is if there's a particular uh, subject or a particular word that I'm interested in or that I'm wanting to look at, there is a rule of study when you're studying the scripture and it's called the rule or the law of first mention. And what that means is you look and you see the very first time that something, a concept, a subject, or a word is mentioned in scripture. And what that does is it establishes a foundation for us for the use of that or the context of that moving through the entirety of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. So when we look at what really drew my attention was, what is the first use of words? What was the very first thing declared in the Bible? And what we see is that the very first recording In Genesis chapter one of the use of declaration is God declaring, let there be light. 
That was the very first words that were spoken that are recorded in our scripture. The first use of words were creating light. That is what our father used words for. And it says that he separated the light from the darkness. So the very first recorded words spoken were to bring a separation between the entity of darkness and the existence of light. Now what's interesting is if we look at this, the sun wasn't created until the fourth day. But yet God created light on the first day when he said, let there be light. That was his declaration. So what was the light? When he said, let there be light, what he was actually doing was he was releasing his character and his nature through his declaration of light. When he said, let there be, he was releasing his glory and his his illumination. He was releasing his revelation. He was releasing his glory into the earth and God's glory when it was released through his declaration, through the thought and the intent of God's heart. God's glory was released and it brought an illumination to creation. The very first use of words were releasing God's glory. That establishes a precedence for us for what the intent and the thought of God's mind in his heart of what words were to be used for from that time forward. It was to be used to declare and to release God's glory, to release the power of his being, to release the power of his nature and his character into existence, into every realm. And what he did is he separated the light from the darkness and he said that the light was good. That means that it was excellent, it was kind, it was upright, it had benefit, that the light was prosperous, it brought happiness. That's what, when he said, let there be light, that's everything that was released through the mouth of God, through his breath, when God spoke. If we go on down to Genesis chapter three, we jump forward a couple of chapters past creation and everything has been created, including Adam and his woman, and they are in the garden. Adam has named everything. And we catch up here where the serpent has now come to woman and he is speaking to her. In Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it said this. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Now that word cunning is actually a word that means crafty. But then if you dig a little deeper, the root of that word in the Hebrew means to make bare, to make naked. If you're from the South, it's naked. To uncover and manifesting one's mind that wishes to do evil. So it says to us that this being, this entity had a desire and a mind to do evil. So the very first words that were spoken, that were recorded of God, were creating light. The very first words that are recorded of the serpent were creating or casting a shadow of doubt over the word that God had spoken. 
The first words of God created light. The first words of the enemy cast a shadow on the word, let there be light. And the enemy cannot create anything. The enemy can't make anything. And the scripture tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. And that is the same tactic that the serpent has used, that the enemy has used since this first speaking in the garden. All he has, he can't create anything. All he has is to come and try and cast a shadow of doubt over what God has already declared. God declared light and all the enemy can do is to come and to cast shadow to cause us to question what God has declared and what God has instated as light and as truth. That's all he's got. And it hasn't changed. But I will say this. He's crafty, <laughs> right? The word deceived is you don't know that you're being deceived. That's the nature of the word deception. He doesn't come to you and say, Toodaloo, hey, I'm about to sell you a big fat plate of poo. That's not how he comes. He comes to say to you, has God really said do you really believe he comes simply to cast a shadow over the truth that God has established for us through his word in our covenant with him? That's all that he has. Has God really said? So let's jump forward into Genesis 3, 6. And he says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They knew that they were naked. Up until this time, the glory of God that had been released in creation on the first day, the glory covered them. They were so enraptured and they were so taken with the glory of God that their entire focus and their entire being, their entire aim, everything was completely and totally captivated by the glory of God. Now, when they listened to the serpent, they didn't just listen to the serpent, but they started not listening to the truth. And when they didn't listen to the truth, they began to see themselves differently than the way that God had made them. When they began to listen to the lie, has God really said, they noticed something about themselves, that they were naked. That word naked means naked. <laughs> However, if you go into a deeper study on that word, it comes from the very same word as the root that was used to describe the serpent as cunning and crafty and having a mind to do evil. So what happened? The minute that creation began to listen to another voice that was casting a shadow, they became like the one that they listened to. 
They were created to be clothed in the glory of God. They were created to carry the light of God. They were created to multiply that light. And when they listened to the lie, they became like the liar. And that is the same tactic that's still being used today. It hasn't changed. All that's being done is presenting a shadow to us. But we were created for light. See, the fact of the matter is, is that we're all going to experience darkness. If you're alive for 24 hours, you're going to experience darkness. Every one of us has experienced sunsets and every one of us has experienced sunrise. Every one of us has experienced seasons and moments in our life that we can't understand, that we don't have an explanation for, and that we would rather not go through. Every one of us experiences darkness. Every one of us has been touched by the hurt. Every one of us has been touched by the heartache. Every one of us has been touched by the questions and not understanding. But we were not made for darkness. We were made for light. And in those moments and seasons, we make a choice. In those moments and times that we don't understand, and just like Ashley was saying, that we think, hey, we've got it all figured out. But the moment that we find ourselves having a question, we have a choice to make. Am I going to listen to the voice that said, let there be light? Or am I going to yield to the voice that says, has God really said? We have a choice to make. And here's what I'm going to say is, on Thursday... Uh, and leading up to Thursday, I'm just going to be really honest and tell you that um, when the whole conversation came up with the doctors about Darren having surgery, all I could think was, that is my husband's brain. That is my husband that you're talking about. He has been given the mind of Christ, and there is this thing that kept Coming from the backside, they kept coming from the backside. What if they mess up? What if they touch something they're not supposed to touch? What if he comes out different? And what kept coming to me and kept coming to me is I have to stay in my position. I have to stay in the light. I cannot listen to that voice. I cannot entertain that voice. I can't entertain it for even a second because if we do, we get swept away by it that fast. We see what happens in the garden because in just a moment, in a moment, all of creation was changed by yielding to the shadow of has God really said. In a moment, we're in the same boat 24-7. We have a choice to make if we're going to stay in the light or if we're going to yield to the shadow. And here's what I would encourage you. I don't know if I would have been able to stay in the light had I not been practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. And here's the thing is if you wait until the doo-doo hits the fan to try and stay in the light, 
Not only are you dealing with the doo-doo, but you are holding on with claw and tooth and nail, trying to stay into the light and trying to determine, is what I'm hearing, has what God really said, or is what I'm hearing, let there be light? Which one? I don't know which voice to listen to, and confusion begins to swirl around. And one little clue for you, if confusion is swirling around, you're not in the light. There is no confusion in light. I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit. See, the thing is, God didn't exist, or God didn't deny that darkness exists. I think I'm ringing just a little bit. Am I, I think I'm ringing a little bit. If you could turn me back just a little, I'm ringing. Um, God didn't deny, in creation, he didn't deny that there was darkness. Because he said that he created the darkness, let there be light, and then he separated it from the darkness. So if he separated it, he wasn't denying that it exists. He acknowledged it, but then separated the light from it so that the darkness had nothing to do with the light. See, we don't deny the fact that darkness exists. It's like denying that um, gravity exists. Try that out. We don't deny that darkness exists, but we don't establish our path and our focus according to the darkness. We establish our path and our focus according to let there be light. We don't spend time. I don't, I honestly, I don't spend time battling the darkness because if I'm spending time battling the darkness, what that means is I have given my focus to darkness. And if I'm giving my focus to darkness, I'm not giving my focus to light. I give my focus to light. I don't spend my time listening to people who are inflammatory. I don't spend my time listening and rehearsing drama. I don't spend my time watching things that cause me to get all wound up. There's certain stuff that I just don't watch because I know that's going to take me off over here and I'm going to walk away from my morning coffee being angry. That's not how I want to start my day. So I spend my time focusing on where there is light. Let there be light, then let there be light in me. Let there be life filling me and let there be light through me. So I'm putting myself constantly in position and association with people, filling myself with sounds, with people and relationships and environments that create light on the inside of me so that when I go into places that are dark, the darkness does not over come the light the situation does not overcome the light but the light that is on the inside of me comes to chase away the darkness we are created for light we're created when the bible says that the glory of the lord will fill the earth how is that going to happen but through us we're the ones who carry that the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. That's, that's our, that's, those are our marching orders. That's good stuff. Amen. We simply agree with the declaration of light be. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, 
And in the life was the light or the brightness and fire of man. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. It says that the light shined. That word light literally means fire. Last week when Darren talked about the baptism of fire, he's talking to us about the light that is on the inside of us and that light being so powerful and so strong that it literally lights up like a fire and burns on the inside of us. And if you've never burned for God, if you've never been on fire for God, we heard about it last week. If you weren't here, go listen to the message but we'll light you up before you leave here today. You'll be on fire before you leave. Amen. The fire of God on the inside of us, it says that the darkness did not comprehend it. What that means is that the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness could not extinguish it. And it means that the darkness could not possess it. It could not make it its own. That means that no matter where you go, no matter what the season is, no matter what the moment is, that the darkness of that moment and that season, those words, the diagnosis, the bank account, the economy, what your kids are doing, that darkness cannot possess the fire of God that's on the inside of you because the light that is in you was called by God to say, light be. So do we agree with that or do we agree with the shadow? Light always wins. Always So I just want to give you a few points on the nature of light. These are things, again, in in Lynette land that uh, God and I have been talking about. (laughs) Darren says that the Lala's, I don't live in La La land, but the Lala's live next door to me. It's a really happy place. You guys should come visit. So the nature of light, the first one is that light brings new beginnings and fresh starts. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. See, we end our day at sundown. And when we get up with the sun, when the sun rises, it's a new day. Light brings fresh starts and new beginnings. Light brings direction and dispels confusion or disorientation caused by darkness. I don't know about anybody else, but if there are people in here who battle fear that you, that that's the enemy knows, hey, I know her weak spot. I know his weak spot. I can come and say, has God really said? And it invokes fear. It provokes that thought of fear on the inside of you. Is there any better time that the enemy comes than at night? Sorry, sucker. Because it's dark. (laughs) You don't have to teach a child to be afraid of the dark. Have you ever noticed that? I remember when Rhett was little, he would go upstairs in the dark, didn't turn a light on. Like, I don't even know how you're seeing. He would go and walk around upstairs with no lights on. He'd get ready for bed in the dark. And then at some point, he became aware of the darkness. And he says, Mommy, can you turn the light on? We don't have to teach our children to be afraid of the dark. It's swirling around them. But notice with, notice with little kids, they're not afraid of that until you say, well, don't you need a nightlight? 
How much do we teach them to fear the dark? Why? Because we're afraid of the dark. So we instill that fear in our kids. Did it. So I'm not pointing a finger. (laughs) I'm just saying. So this, I wrote this down and I felt like this was a word for someone. I don't know who, and I, I don't know if it's for more than one person, but I felt when I wrote this, I know this is for someone in here today. And I want to say this to you by the spirit of the Lord. Never set your course based on a season or moment of darkness. Let the darkness pass, press into the light, and then establish your next steps. And whoever that's for, I pray that that permeates into your spirit and into your understanding. And whatever your situation is right now, I declare patience over you as you walk through a moment or a season of darkness. Because Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I always tell people when they, if somebody calls me and says, pastor, I don't know what to do. They tell me that I have to make this decision by 12 o'clock. I tell them, if you don't have peace by 12 o'clock, do not make the decision. Do not allow somebody else to establish a timeline for you. You follow God's timeline. And if they can't wait, then it, hey, you're not, you're not operating on anybody else's timeline, but God's. And if you are in a season and a moment of darkness, Do not make big decisions about anything until you wait and step into light. Then you will know the direction of God because his light will direct you. So I speak that over you this morning, whoever needs that. The third one is that light eradicates darkness. Even where darkness is felt, light will eventually fill that space. How many of you know, like when you, I don't know about y'all, but like we have a big uh, window, big patio window in our bedroom. And it doesn't matter how much I try to pull and squeeze the curtains together. The light is going to come through there. (laughs) Even when I want it to be dark in there for sleeping, the light is going to come through there. Light finds its way through all of the nooks and crannies to fill a space that is dark. Light will find a way in. So if you're in a moment in your life or you're in a place in your life that just feels overwhelming darkness right now, know that God is working and that light will find its way into your situation. Be patient, but be steadfast in depressing into the light. Number four, I wrote down that light doesn't stop. It keeps expanding and finds its way into all the hidden places. Did I just say that? Okay, yeah. We'll go on. The number five is that light exposes. It can be a best friend to those that seek light, or it can be a dreaded and feared thing for those who hide in the darkness. Whatever it is, the enemy loves to torment with things that are hidden in the darkness. Whether that be an addiction, whether that be thoughts that are coming to your mind and you think to yourself, I'm a terrible, awful person for thinking those things. I don't want to think those things. Whether it be a relationship that you're not supposed to be in, 
if it is stealing, if it is pornography, the enemy uses the things that are hidden in our lives in darkness to torment you. And the torment is that you can't get help. The torment is what if somebody finds out? And the torment is I can't tell anyone about this because if they knew, they would be disgusted. And that is a shadow that is cast over the light of love because love never fails. And if there is anything that the enemy is tormenting you with that is in the darkness, he's hoping and everything in him is doing everything to keep that in the darkness because as long as it stays in the darkness, he can continue to torment you with it because there is no torment in love. And if you're being tormented, you're not in the light. And it doesn't mean that you have to stand up and you have to shout to everybody, whatever it is that's tormenting you, but it does mean that you need to bring it into the light in some way so that God can give you direction and healing on that. Unforgiveness, that's in the dark. Bitterness and anger, that's in the dark. And we think, well, I'm working, I'm working on it. I'm working on forgiving them. Well, okay, okay. And I've heard, I've heard people pray this for people. Well, you just need to, you know, start working on forgiving them. Okay, that would be as ridiculous as somebody coming to me and saying, you know, Pastor, I'm having an affair and I'm sleeping with my mistress five times a week. And I say, oh, well, bless your heart. Okay, try to only do it three times this week. No, you need to stop that right now. That is not going to go well for you. The same as unforgiveness. You need to stop that right now. Well, I don't feel it. Make a choice to forgive and then let God bring the healing. But as long as you're carrying the unforgiveness, the bitter and the judgment and the anger about it, the healing can't even start. But you may not feel like forgiving them, but you make a choice to forgive them and the healing will begin. The things that are in the dark, that's the things that the enemy torments us with. So just bring it into the light. That's why we have a prayer team up here every week. They're not going to stand up and go, oh, you're disgusting. They're here to love. They're here to love. We're here to love. We're here to walk together as a family. Press into the light. There is no darkness in God. So anywhere that darkness is tormenting or darkness is casting a shadow, anywhere that darkness is causing confusion is an area that the enemy is somehow casting a shadow for us and we need to bring it into the light. Because here's what 1 John 1, 5 says, is that this is the message which we have heard from him to declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So... Just a really cool little, I'm just going to share this with you because I think it's cool. And I think that God is just so cool and God is so intentional about everything. When you begin to study the biblical, scriptural um, birth of Jesus, Jesus was actually born not on December 25th, but he was born in a season called the Feast of Tabernacles, which is coming up in October. It's in the fall. And the Feast of Tabernacles is a huge festival that is celebrated every year 
not just by the Jews, but God said, I want this to be passed down to all generations, to all my people. So when we begin to learn, we begin to learn about the Feast of Tabernacles. And what would happen during the Feast of Tabernacles is all of the people would make their way to Jerusalem and they would bring with them long strips of cloth that had been cut and they would, at night, they would wrap those cloths around and make a torch and they would light them up. And it was said that Jerusalem was like a city on a hill because it was so lit up that you could see it from miles away. So because of that, it was also known as and called the Festival of Lights. So when you look at the story of Jesus's birth in the Bible, they were making their way to Jerusalem. And you know the swaddling cloths that Jesus was wrapped up in? Those were cloths that had been brought by Mary and Joseph to light their torches for fire. So they wrapped a baby Jesus in the cloths that had been prepared ahead of time for light. So Jesus was born in a season of a celebration of light. Within, when the scripture says in John that says that he, made, that he became flesh and dwelt among us, that word dwelt is actually the word tabernacle. So the celebration of tabernacle is also known as the celebration of light. Now. You back up nine months from that, and you come on the calendar to the celebration of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is also known as the Festival of Lights. It is a celebration of the supernatural multiplication of oil that was given to the people when they rededicated the temple and they lit the lampstand, the light in the temple, and there was only oil to last for one day, but God supernaturally multiplied the oil, which in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and God supernaturally multiplied the oil so that the temple stayed lit for the full dedication of the temple, so that that is also known as the celebration of light. So Jesus was conceived in light, imparted by the Holy Spirit in light, and he was birthed in a celebration of light and wrapped in cloth that was created to bring light and to shed fire light to the whole world. Amen. Is God so intentional about everything? And we just simply say, am I going to set my course and set my hope and set my life to a shadow? I don't think so. I'm going to set my hope and I'm going to set my course according to light. I'm setting my course according to the one that said, let there be light and light was. And I'm not going to be the one to say that any dark season, that any dark word, that any dark moment is bigger than the light of God that is on the inside of me that was created for me to carry, for me to be his torch that would go into all of the dark places and not be afraid of the dark, to not fear the dark, but to know that what is in me is what the people that are held captive in that, in any place, through a lie, through deception, through a relationship, through their past, whatever it is, that the torch that I carry on the inside of me is the very thing that they're longing for and crying for and searching for, whether they know it or not. The darkness doesn't know that it needs light until it experiences light. And then the darkness realizes it's not stronger than the light. But how will the darkness know that if the light never comes? 
If the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth, it's up to us to do it. And not listen to CNN and to whoever else wants to tell us how bad things are. If you set your course according to that, then yeah, it's pretty bad. But if you set your course according to James chapter 1, 17 in the Passion Translation says this. Every gift God freely gives us as is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights who shines from the heavens and with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and becoming the favorite ones out of all his creation. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, uh, I'm his favorite. You guys, sometimes we can read the scripture and just breeze over it because it's too big for our human minds to comprehend. But if you rest on that for a minute, that the father of lights has called us his favorite. And you know what? You shouldn't feel ashamed to say that. You shouldn't feel embarrassed. Well, that's prideful for me to say that. No, if you don't say that, you are diminishing the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross because you were God's favorite. And I'm not going to make small of that. You are God's favorite. You're his chosen. Can you come on up, Skitties? Out of everything that was made. And you know, I, I'm always like, God, thank you so much for calling us to Northern Colorado and not Nevada. I love Nevada. Love the people in Nevada. I just don't want to live somewhere. It looks like an atomic bomb went off, but praise the Lord. Somebody does, you know, I'm, I'm glad for that. But I look around And just yesterday I was sitting on my porch and I'm studying and preparing for today and I can see the mountains from my porch and I'm looking at the awe (laughs) of everything around me and I am undone. I am in awe of our God. We live in a place that it's so easy to praise him. And we should pray for the people of Nevada to have the same inspiration. (laughs) But I think God created Pikes Peak. (laughs) God created Long's Peak. And God created the streams and the rivers that run through those mountains. God created the Black Canyon and God created all of this amazingness around me. And in his infinite wisdom and knowledge and detail, he chose to create you. And he placed you in this time for this moment for a reason. It's not by accident that you're here now. And it's not that you should have been born in a different time because you would have got along better with Barney Fife and Mayberry. You were born for this season right now. 
And God has a purpose for you. And it's not to be missed because of a shadow. Your purpose and your calling without exception. And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter the choices that you've made. I don't care what you did last night. And I don't care what you did 10 years ago. What I do care is that you understand that the one who said, let there be light is the father of lights. And the moment that you say yes to him, you become his child. And when you become a child of God, now you have the very DNA of the father of lights on the inside of you. And there is nothing that can happen in this world. There is nothing from your past. There's no relationship. There's no words that have been spoken over you that are more powerful than the words. Let there be light. That's what you were created for. And our DNA from the father cries out glory, glory, glory. Your DNA is crying out God's majesty. If nobody's told you that, you need to know that today. That's who you are. With every pump of your heart, your blood is crying out the glory and the majesty of God. We were born for such a time as this. We were placed in this time because God knew that the glorious torch on the inside of you would not be afraid and would not be overcome because the darkness could not comprehend it. All we have to do is just simply agree with the statement, let there be light. That's pretty easy. Let there be light. So I want to invite you right now. Close your eyes right where you're at. All of you watching at home, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Kingdom Ranch, just close your eyes. And Father, in the name of Jesus, Father of lights, fill this room. And the way that you do it, Lord, is through your servants, through those that have said yes to your voice. And if there's anybody here that you're listening today and you don't know that you know that you have it solidified, that it's certain that you have said yes to the father of lights and given him your heart. And the moment that you say yes, that the light comes in and it changes you from the inside. And if you've never made that personal choice, it's not okay to just sit in a room where other people do it. And it's not about what somebody else is doing. It's about you and God. God is looking at you right now through the eyes of his son, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, won't you come to me? Will you walk with me? Will you follow me? Will you let me be your teacher? And will you let me show you things that you've never seen before? Will you let me remove the shadow and let me be the light on the inside of you that shines and chases away all of the darkness? And that when darkness does come, when darkness knocks at the door, that darkness will not overcome you. And if you've never intentionally, purposefully, with your own choice, said yes to that. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. You have the opportunity to do it right now. And if that's you, 
stick your hand up in the air really high because those things that are hidden in the darkness, that's what the enemy torments with. So right now, stretching your hand up is stretching your hand out of the darkness and saying, yes, yes, there's out of the darkness. Yes, there's out of the darkness. Yes, 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 out of the darkness. Light come. Let there be light. For everyone right now, if there is a moment or a word or a situation in your life that darkness is trying to come, it's trying to cause confusion, um, I call out hopelessness. I call out depression. Right now, if that is you, I'm going to invite you to stick both hands up into the light. Light come. And we're not afraid of the shadow. We're not submitting to the shadow. We're saying, let there be light. And by stretching our hands up, we're saying, I will not allow a shadow to put confusion in my life. I will not allow a shadow to lie to me. I will not allow a shadow to say to me, has God really said? And I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, there is light. Light come fire of God come for those of you that need that fire stirred on the inside of you you know if you don't tend to a fire then it just kind of turns into embers and right now some of you need those embers blown on by the Holy Spirit to ignite a fire and if you need that fire ignited right now stick your hands up say Holy Spirit blow on me say it with your voice so that you can hear your own ears saying it Holy Spirit blow on me Holy Spirit, light that fire, stir that fire. The scripture says you stir up the gift on the inside of you. So right now, Holy Spirit, blow. Holy Spirit, blow. In Jesus' name, fire ignite on the inside of every holy believer, of everyone who is called and set according to your desire, that you say of us that we would fulfill your chosen destiny for us and that we are your favorite out of all of creation in Jesus name Holy Spirit blow Holy Spirit blow refreshing I feel like some people just need a a refreshing that you're just going through life and your the schedules the appointments the times the agendas of the world the time restraints that everybody puts on you and there's just not enough hours in your day right now holy spirit blow thank you father that fire that we're talking about is the fire that ignites purpose in your life people people spend their whole lifetime wondering why am I here I don't know why I'm here it's the fire that's on the inside of you that's why you're here and the minute that you give that fire permission to burn that's when you're gonna know why you're here the minute you link up with that fire that's on the inside of you that's what gives you endurance to run the race that's what gives you the light to know where you're going that's what dispels the confusion all those characteristics of light that we talked about every single one of those is a characteristic of the father the son and the holy spirit that's given to us in jesus name in jesus name father we thank you for what you're doing through us we thank you for what you're doing in us and we thank you for loving us and we love you god in jesus name amen Amen.